my name is Reggie Williams. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Good Trouble Podcast. Excited to be here with you. I'm going to pass it over to my esteemed co-host, Mr. Gregory Ball. Yes, my name is Gregory Ball. Uh, I am the co-host of this fine podcast, Good Trouble, that we uh, we come together and we talk about um, the things that are important that are going on in the, in, the, in the area and talk to some incredible people to hear about their journeys and, and how they got to the place where they're causing a bunch of good trouble. And today's guest is a troublemaker of the highest regard. That's right. <laughs> this is somebody <laughs> who I am I'm very happy to call one of my dear friends. And I, you know, this is this is one of the guys that could call me for for going out for a beer or if just like in in the in the town. Hey, we we got to go somewhere. We need to hurt some people, and you can't ask me any questions. I probably <laughs> would go with this guy. Mm. Not that we would do any of those things. This is not, those days are long gone, gone. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> our guest today is, is my friend, Chris Ferrone, who is the editor-in-chief of The Dig Magazine and also one of the co-founders of the Boston Institute of Nonprofit Journalism. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank, this is, uh, I, you know, this is, it's the, thanks for the introduction. And, you know, I try to cause less you know, as much good trouble, but I'm not as much of a nut job as I used to be, I hope. But maybe moderate we can, amount. We can get there today. Well, you know, I got a board to answer to now, just like everybody. But uh, but no, and nothing keeps me back that much. But um, hey, you know, I, I've, I've, I've said my piece and every now and then I come out that maybe this will be one of those times, right? Oh, good gosh. So we're going to see. Yes. So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about your work at Dig Boston and then also at the Boston Institute for Nonprofit Journalism? Binge? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like a, I'm like the, the alternative media guy around, you know, and of course, alternative used to mean something. Uh, now we've between the alt right and just, you know, Alex, I, I was telling someone I was listening to the the, the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones um, calls himself alternative media. So when I say it, we basically just mean things that we don't feel are being covered and things that we don't feel are being covered right well. Um, but yeah, I used to work for the Boston Phoenix, uh, yep. you know, which, which was around since 1966. And I actually started at the dig before that, but basically, you know, the independent newspapers, um, you know, not the globe. Uh, we, you know, the globe, of course, a great respected institution, but we kind of exist to kind of keep places like that in check to a certain degree. And, um, you know, we, we have it out with them, but, you know, we, we still have beers sometimes and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I know my, I, I think I know my place and it, it's been to kind of to raise a lot of issues to cause that good trouble, right? To, uh, and, and I've been able to do that in the, for the past, since 2013, when the Phoenix closed with the dig again. And, you know, the, the dig has always been served, had a different role. You know, the digs actually, been, it's it's still known for people our age as like the small little paper. And it is a smaller paper. We put 40,000 issues out every other week. But it's funny because the role has changed, I feel. You know, mm. when the Phoenix was around, when there were a million newspapers, we could just be as silly as we wanted, do whatever we wanted, mm. be really funny. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think we, you know, humor news and nightlife. Uh, you know, serious fun and 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 the news is has always been kind of our catchphrase, and we still do it. But now that you know, we are fortunate. We have we still have the Dorchester Reporter. We still have the Bay State Banner. We have some of the best small newspapers in the country. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's not that many of us. So you know, for the dig, I like to you know, I, long story short, I like the news to really stick. So and uh, we can't cover everything. Nobody can cover everything anymore. You know, even even the big institutions like the Globe can't cover things like, you know, say the school board as much as they should. Um, but we really can't cover everything. So we have to be very selective. And, uh, you know, in the past couple of years, that's really been a lot of. Oh, and I have to say something else. You know, we're a bot, you know, Boston based, of course, but not really. We're really Boston, Cambridge, Somerville based. We do a ton of work in Somerville, Cambridge, not as much, but it always shows up. Right. Because Cambridge is, is Cambridge. Uh, uh, but also regional, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that Boston is one of the only, or Massachusetts is one of the only states in the country where the, the, the largest city is also the capital. So mm -hmm. we already have all this stuff to cover, but unlike New York reporters who don't cover, you know, New York city reporters who don't have to cover Albany. It's right here in our backyard beacon Hill. And I like that. I'm not complaining. It's just mm -hmm. another thing. And as a result, we cover a, a lot of statewide issues. So we don't, we don't, we're not afraid of that. And the reason I brought that up is because prisons have been one of our uh, big, 
big wheelhouses in the past couple of years, uh, led by Gene Trounstein, one of the great reporters in, in Massachusetts. And, and I say that because it's like I said, we cover things that really aren't being covered, aren't being covered well. And I just feel like there's just never enough attention there. Also, obviously, housing. If every reporter in this city only covered housing, there still wouldn't be enough housing coverage, right? So a lot of angles of housing. Right now, I've been into the uh, privatization of public housing. Mm. And, and, and a lot of the stuff with housing, we are fortunate, you know, in that, uh, at least I am, that I can step, step back and I'm not covering day to day. We, you know, we put stuff up about, you know, little things that are happening, press releases, but I also get to step back and look at the larger picture. And the other thing is, you know, we really, we do a good amount of environmental reporting, um, which really comes out in different ways, you know, that environmental reporting is it's an interesting catch-all because, you know, that includes whether it's, you know, uh, natural gas transfer stations and, and protests by people. Of course, environmental justice, you know, um, uh, uh, how, how, you know, particularly communities of color are impacted and um, just a lot of places where environmental issues aren't asked. They're just done. Although, of course, it's Massachusetts where we even see a commu wealthy communities like, like Weymouth get Get, you know, uh, gas, you know, really dangerous um, infrastructure put in their place. So I guess Weymouth's not that wealthy, but it's middle class. But nevertheless, it is interesting. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's of course, ne nothing ever like uh, those of us on this podcast right now can remember, of course, when, um, you know, uh, uh, the bio lab was put in um, in Roxbury and it, 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 you know, led into protest eventually. Or really, it's the South End, I guess. It's on the north side of Melnia Cass over there. Uh, but anyway, environmental justice is another one. So that's that's my long thing. I, I, you know, now I'm really a desk jockey, but I do get to do one big. I like to do one big story a year, uh, for myself. So, so for for you, let's let's be. That's kind of where you're at now, and you're in the weeds. But let's start from the beginning. So you know, you're here in Boston, and you're doing all this work, but you are a New Yorker. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you and. And you've you've made Boston your home. What, yeah. How did you get here? <laughs> uh, how did you how did you make that transition to come from New York to be here? And you know how we first met is as music journalists, right? You know, side by side, um, and at 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 the Middle East or you know any Western Front or any other of the of the laugh. Would you say laugh Boston? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There clubs. as well. So how did you make the transition from the music journalism side to the side that you are now? And from how did you even get to get to Boston? Yeah, well, I went to, you know, I went to uh, Boston University. Uh, I got my master's at uh, College of Communications. Uh, you know, but also, you know, I, I moved up here and moved in with my current partner, even all the way back then, 20 years ago, almost. Uh, and that was to Hyde Park. And I always loved Boston already. But in the superficial sense, I mean, I'm not a sports fan, so that helps the New York transition, uh, <laughs> people, you know, and I think I'm, I'm also someone like you said, I am someone who gets in the weeds on everything. So the fact that, you know, people elsewhere maybe didn't realize what a bright, amazing hip hop scene it was here. I was the first person to know as a, you know, as a writer, I was out at the clubs with you guys every night. Yeah. So like literally sometimes five, six nights a week. So there was tons going on with music. There still is. But, you know, there also was when I got here. But, you know, as for New York, you know, New York, you know, Boston's a very transient city. I think that and as much as Boston is changing every day for for the better, for the worse, for everything, New York to me is the most unrecognizable. And I'm not saying that as a complainer, but I go back and I don't know anyone. My family's not there. Like I'm I may I am from New York. I certainly have New York features. I'm from Queens in particular. And, uh, you know, I, but I'm not. I'm not a big hometown pride kind of guy. I could care less about sports. For me, Boston is a place I've always liked. And when I got to really know the real Boston, and I say the real Boston, I mean not just downtown superficial Boston. When I got to know Dorchester, when I got to know Hyde Park, Roslindale, Jamaica Plain, it was just the place for me. You know, it's it's rough around the edges, but it also intellectual. It it, it the, the everything's you know I don't mind the cold at all, even in this like time. And my, my partner gets very aggravated with me. She thinks I'm just being stubborn. I don't care. Let it be like this for six months a year. Just doesn't bother me. I don't care. So that all those said and done. Now, as for the hip hop thing, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I still love music. I still write about it sometimes, but 
uh, I don't understand these hip hop writers who think it's just about the music. It's not, you know, hip hop in particular was, you know, comes, you know, from a place where there's, there's struggle as does, you know, virtually all black music and, and just a lot of music in general. But for me, it's, I, I'm a lyric guy as, as everybody who knows my reviews mm -hmm. knows I'm listening. So when I hear and given you have to be selective because there's also a lot of conspiratorial crap and stuff that you hear over the years, like, you know, I, I, God knows how many references to frankly racist texts like a pale black horse that we, we hear in, mm -hmm. in hip hop music. But at the same time, that general struggle, what the, pro, you know, the, the conditions in, in housing projects, something that I'm covering right now. Um, uh, certainly um, behavior of police, something I've covered extensively over the years. A lot of the genesis of that is in hip hop. And, you know, uh, not that it was, I don't know if it was the first hard news story I did based on music, but maybe it was, you know, I always give shout out to DL, Daniel Laurent for, uh, he's, you know, a Boston hip hop artist. Um, some may know from uh, the song, you know, he did the song Masterpiece uh, with the Cheers anthem which was a big song when I moved here at the time. And, and he made a lot of noise about, you know, uh, something that's changed a little bit now, though barely, is his hip-hop hip shows not be happening downtown. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you know, what had happened was the, I'll, just, I'll make it quick, is the Boston police had told club owners in the theater district that they won't provide a detail if they have hip-hop music playing, whether it's a DJ or a live performer. And, and that was just code, you know, and also, you know, but of course you're not allowed to open if you don't have a police detail. So it was code for you, you're, you're out of business if you play hip hop, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so there was a little war fought there. I covered that and I just kind of, you know, got a taste for it, you know, how full of it the cops were uh, to a certain degree in that case, in many cases. And, and I, and I pounced on it and, and there, you know, there, I don't remember exactly what the result, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a, a I wish I had, you know, the analytics of the impact of my journalism over the past 20 years, but I certainly, you know, I certainly felt it and I certainly felt it in the community. And I think it always kind of made my music journalism stronger too. You know, a lot of times with music, no, nothing against artists, but people just, you know, it's like, oh God, here we are for the third time. You know, we've, we've talked every two years when you put an album out. But then when we start talking about, I remember one time the Boston Herald, there was, remember that horrible shooting for, Four kids in Dorchester, I think, got killed. They were in a, a group called Graveside. Yes. They, they, they were a, really... They were in like a basement, they were in a, like a basement, um, a basement studio that somebody had. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yep. uh, and, and uh, you know, they weren't necessarily part of the hip-hop community. They were young. They were really young. They hadn't really done shows yet. I think yeah, Peter right. Parker had hosted one of their mixtapes. Not, not to diss them or anything, but the reason but I say it is... They were just getting started. They were just getting started, just like the, just like everybody else, right? At some time, at some point, and uh, I remember I was at, writing for the Herald at the time, and they just wanted to do the whole hip hop murder. They did, you know, it's the Herald. It was a hip hop murder, the whole thing, and I, they wanted me to help with coverage. And I said, I will not help. I'll give you people's names under one condition. You also let me write about all the other stuff that rappers are doing in the community here. And I remember those articles, you know, at the time, Jake, the snake was working with with young people in an after school program mm -hmm. exposition, you know, Victor, rest in peace. He was also, you know, working with kids like, you know, and anybody, you know, everybody on this podcast certainly knows, you know, the work, you know, in nonprofits, but also in business, it goes on and on. Right. How many rappers are teachers? Yeah. Brilliant technologists. You name it. You, na you name it. You name it. You name that it. was that was a around the same time was the E-Rock in. And Optimus were doing their thing. Of course. Foundation movement. Yeah, they were, they, they, I remember they They're definitely in that album. article, by the way. I get, yeah, yeah. I bet my life they are in that <laughs> article that I did. So, yeah, I mean, that, so that's what it always, always was. And, and I think, uh, but yeah, from, that's, where, that's where that came from. And then that just led to everything. Like, I'm just, I love journalism because whatever, whatever, what, it's just a vehicle. What I'm interested in and what needs to get written gets written. Chris, it's so powerful that you said journalism is a vehicle. And, you know, you talked a little bit about alternative media, alternative facts, maybe for some, um, and then some publications that also are looking to cover challenges and, and killings and all of the things that are going on in our communities in a way that's quite biased and can also lead people to have uh, a misconstrued con conception of what our communities actually look like. How do you how do you stay motivated in this in the sphere of journalism with everything going on in the world now with the pandemic and with the consolidation of a lot of local media outlets? How, how do you keep going? I think it's like, you know, um, 
a lot of it's been uh i think people who don't know me think i'm like really maybe arrogant to a certain degree but i'm really not i'm always kind of second guessing myself which i think is important as a journalist and a lot of what keeps me motivated is that the people who are dressed up who dress the part you know nothing against all television journalists but a lot of people who just like look the part whether it's because they you know they they don't have that you know they're just really cleaned up and they present professionally and maybe they're on television maybe they have a very great radio voice what they're doing isn't necessarily isn't really always good journalism mm-hmm. you know and, and we talk about these preconceptions i don't want to throw anyone under the bus but i went to a a public event recently and it wasn't it was it was for a like a true crime related thing and but just listening to some of these older journalists talk, you know, somebody was talking about covering courts and they're about young black men. They didn't say black men, but that's what they were talking about uh, shooting each other. And it, and, and it was just like, well, why don't you just like go out and like go on a date and like get a pizza and a milkshake? And I'm thinking, cause it's not a Norman Rockwell painting. That's why, <laughs> that's, that's why they're not doing it. You know, how are you that dull? I mean, so for me, I think a lot of it is like, you know, here I am, I, I guess maybe I'm, it's my, uh, I, not to overuse the word privilege, my privilege, not just my white privilege, my privilege to be able to see it in a different way. And I'm not going to go away. I, you know, I feel like that's an important perspective. And here's the thing. I miss stuff all the time. I feel like I'm just, you know, my, my father raised me to have very little pride. So I, I really have no, I, you know, people, when I mess something up in an article and a publicist or someone gets at me and they're like, you messed this up. They're always kind of blown away when I'm like, you know, I'm happy to run the correction. I'm happy to put your letter into our article. I feel it makes it better. But you want to get it right. Like, because you yeah. care. Yeah. And things, and it's, it's just not. And, and one thing about the alternative press is like, we don't be- believe, well, I, I can't speak for everybody, but certainly a lot of us don't really believe in objective journalism. It's just a silly thing. It's, it's, it's about what we write about. I just published a, a 6,000 word piece on public housing and I couldn't get everything in there. Now the things that went in, I decided that. That's what, that's the subjectivity of it all. So, and as for, uh, you know, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people, you know, pine for objectivity, but it's nonsense. It doesn't exist anywhere. And, and you'll laugh at this example, but when there's an article about cancer, they don't, they don't quote somebody who thinks cancer is good. You know, and, and when there's an article about racism now, they don't quote someone who thinks racism is good. But I'll tell you this. We're getting close to that, though. Ten years ago, yeah, 10 years ago, though, right? <laughs> 10 as recently as now, it's maybe like 12 years ago. You know, when I was covering uh, the, the um, legal same sex marriage in Massachusetts, they used to quote a guy. Everybody did. It's not not the, not the alternative press, but the Globe certainly did named Chris Minot, K-R-I-S-M-I-N-E-A-U. I don't want to give this guy any more recognition than he deserves, but he is a truly hateful, you know, you know, you know, gays and animals, that kind of things that he says horrible things that just not, not that, that not that they shouldn't be in a newspaper because they're horrible. Certainly they make him look stupid, but they shouldn't be in a newspaper because it's just that if that's your idea of objective reporting, I think it was Keith Olbermann who wants, he was like, you know, if we get a guy who says, you know, the moon is made of rock. And another, we don't have to get someone who comes on and says the moon is made of blue cheese also, yeah. right? So for me, it's like, we can just get past a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, by the way, the same thing goes for cannabis. We have, you, have, you know, ma- main major publications that even up until after it was legalized, we're still, until till a degree, we still see this come on and say things that are not true. So I think, it, you know, I don't, basically, you know, in alternative media, but uh, that's what I'm motivated. I'm motivated by seeing that stuff. I'm motivated every time I see a, an article about uh, toll gantries, uh, you know, the, the surveillance on the, on the, the turnpike. Mm-hmm. That was clearly just written by someone who's happy to get to their condo, their summer condo in Maine faster, that they don't have to stop anymore without considering any of the surveillance uh, uh, issues. Now, I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad. But I am saying that my newspaper caught the, the state lying about uh, whether or not they were going to take your information uh, on your license plate if you also had a transponder for Easy Pass. So I'm just saying that we have to ask, you know, we have to ask these questions. And that's what motivates me, just knowing that, uh, you know, uh, you know, when you when people take surveys, everybody like hates the media. You see these, you know, these these reports and it's like, really, you guys, everybody hates us that much. But the truth is they don't hate the media. They listen to everything these people say. They still turn, a lot of people still turn on the five o'clock news. 
and see what you know that what people say and then that, that that's that so we i like to i'm motivated by getting to add something else to that it's so interesting one i didn't know that about the transponder so i will be reading that piece <laughs> after after we get yeah. off um but also you know chris i really appreciate your candor in addressing some of the inaccuracies that sometimes happen you know people make mistakes in reporting i feel like often from you know from an organizational standpoint i see mass budget covered as a left-leaning or a, you know a liberal-leaning organization whereas like some of our counterparts who are more business-backed or who are you know a bit more conservative also have a different depiction in the media, but then also it's like, what are the underlying facts? And the facts are determined by our methodology and then also what we're looking to achieve. You guys are good stuff, by the way. You, I really you. appreciate the stuff. I, and, you, and you present it really well too. And, and make sure you always like hammer me. Uh, I, I like to, we like to give it some recognition, but always make sure to get at me. And because I, I really mean that you really are doing great work. Thank you. And, you know, we're looking to build relationships with journalists like yourselves and then also with larger organizations to be able to get folks talking about these issues. But it's it's intricate and complicated by design. Oh, let me, uh, so let me, let me, yeah, let me riff whew. on that real quick, too, since I know you have this kind of audience is that we we at the dig, we do, obviously we don't have, a, you know, a, you know, we get you know, we're in the tens of thousands of, of readers every day, but we're not you know, we're not the globe, obviously. With that said, we do not have a paywall and we do run a lot of uh, uh, community guest op-eds, right? So we welcome them and not just uh, to throw the globe under the bus, because this is every major publication, New York Times, Washington Post. I understand they have their so-called editorial standards. At the same time, one practice I'm, and anybody I'm sure you have, Reggie, who's ever dealt with a major publication like that in having your opinion piece published knows that they just push back on every it's completely un unreasonable <laughs> ridiculous process and i'm not on some i'm not saying that i'm some woke ish in that it, they do it to everybody okay they do it to every and we don't we don't you know um if something's poorly written we're going to help you you know get in better shape with that said we feel that the you know that's the true voice uh, of people and we're happy to lend our platform so if there are people out there of nonprofits, stuff like that uh, or a call, even a cause, you don't have to be like officially a part of some group, get at us, you know, Farrah uh, uh, one at, at digpublishing.com or hit me up on social media. Uh, that's just F-A-R-A -A and the number one or digboston.com. They all work. But yeah, we, that's a big part of what we do. You know, uh, uh, Ed Gaskin, who runs um, yep. uh, uh, Grove Hall Main Street. This guy is, a, what, he's better than most of my full-time writers. I don't <laughs> This guy, you know, so he is just so fantastic. And he, you know, he writes for other places too. And, uh, but, you know, those are the kind of opposite. So we feel that, you know, our role is, uh, you know, Boston, we can never be a community newspaper the way the Dorchester Reporter is, have that, you know, they've been around for a million years or the Bay State Banner, that kind of history. And in a particular community, whether it's the Black community, the Dorchester community, both for those papers, right? But as far as you can be a community newspaper for three mate of America's major cities, we feel that we can do, we pull it off a little bit. So um, please, we encourage people to get at us. You know, we prefer a little bit heads up, but even if you have something happening that week, it happens. Hey, it happens. Um, let us know. So you know what I, I'm thinking about this. So we talked about the whole idea of coming out of the the alternative media space, and you know, coming from the the, the lineage of the the Phoenix and all of that. You know. What is what do you think the biggest misconception is? Because I feel like a lot of times people hear, like we said, alternative media now has gotten to the point where it's the Alex Joneses of the world or whatever. <laughs> but even before that, you know, when people did associate it with the village voices and those kind of things, what do you think is the biggest misconception about alternative media? And even in it, if you want to even go into what do you think is the biggest misconception about the dig? Well, yeah. Okay. So with alternative media, I am actually on the board of, of what's called the AAN, Association of Alternative News Media. So there's about 90 publications like, I'm the editorial chair, there's about 90 publications like The Dig across the country. Are we all the same? Not at all. You know, uh, things we do have in common, you know, kind of uh, that we're always going, going after the major publications in our region and stuff like that. Uh, I think a big, you know, big misconception Although not of people who read us, uh, is that people maybe don't realize how serious how we how serious our news is a lot. You know, uh, our publications, and this is another thing that we are built for, are 
really, hey, you show up in this town or, you know, you want to go out on a Friday night. What's the stuff to do? You know what I mean? Um, I think that's definitely one thing. I, I think that uh, I think people out there um, may not realize, uh, you know, just how deep we go, just how deep the investigations are. And, and uh, like I said before, that, that's, a, that's a privileged position a little bit because we, get to, we don't have to be out there every day. I, I certainly knock the Globes and the Heralds of the world for things that it's just unfair because I don't have to do that. I don't have to get everything right on Wednesday after it happened on Tuesday. Uh, as for the dig, you know, I, I started to say before that the dig has had many different incarnations. It's true. There have been times uh, like in like the 2010, you know, or 2010, 2000, uh, around then, where it was really primarily a music publication. There wasn't very much news. And since Boston's a transient city, or uh, you get people, you know, if you were around at that time, you know, that's maybe what you thought it was. Uh, and that's fine. That's why, that's why we do a lot of work with, with Binge, with the Boston Institute for Nonprofit Journalism that, that a lot of our primary stakeholders also run because that's not just for the dick. You know, we, this work goes to a lot of these publications we've been talking about. Um, so I don't know if that really answers the question. I mean, for us, it's not even... It's not that you, it's not that I'm, I'm not really concerned about misconceptions as much as just the fact that there's so many people in this city, even after being here for 25 years, who have never heard of us and don't know what we are. We get this all the time and that's okay. It just blows me away when we, you know, we'll have a, like, we have some stories that have gone viral in the past weeks. You know, for me, I mean, viral, you know, more than a hundred thousand clicks and get a ton of real, I, I think it's great to a certain degree. You get people on like Twitter, like, Hey, look at this. And we know it because, you know, we have we have uh, donors and stuff, too. You'll get people who are enthusiastic, like, where have you been all my life? That type of thing. So, hey, it's that's our responsibility. That's not on other people. Although I got to say, if you're walking past a box uh, every day with our, you know, we do have 370 box uh, newspaper boxes around the region. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I guess we just got to put the right thing on the cover, you know? Yeah, I've, I've never understood that. Uh, I hate when people say, oh, I've never heard of them before. And it's, not, and it's not just, and it's not the dig. It's just lots of stuff. I've had people tell me they didn't, they've never heard the banner. I've had people, like, what are, you, what are you doing? How are you surviving in this world? Did you just get to walk around and not know anything? You don't, oh, know, nothing, yeah. you don't know where nothing's at. You don't know where to get a haircut. You don't know anything about this city. You just came here and then you go back to wherever you came from and tell everybody about how horrible Boston is. I, I actually wrote about that great. I wrote my op-ed this week about, um, about you know, people like, there's nothing to do in Boston. It's like, I mean, how many times have we heard that? And it's like, actually, whatever you're into, there's 30 things to do any given night. You know, it's just, uh, and by the way, that's another misconception. Not that it's necessarily about the dig, but just, a, I think there's a misconception that like, even if you're not into reading about uh, everything every day, that it's covered. And my mm. friends, it ain't covered. Uh, as, as every new BPS parent finds out immediately, there's no information. There's no mm. one really covering. Even if the Globe had great coverage of BPS, which I don't believe they do, where, okay, now you, have, now you need $40 a month right. to read it, okay? Um, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm, I'm not too proud to say it. I don't, you know, I get, we get the globe uh, through work, but I couldn't afford that personally. Are you serious? So I, I think, uh, and also, you know, of course, Yahoo Miller does at Bay State Banner does great BPS coverage. That's not daily coverage. I'm talking right. about like basic info. So um, whether it's that or even, uh, you know, ask people who are in the building trades about that they would like to know everything going, happening at the planning boards and everything like that, whether it's Boston, Somerville every day. And that just doesn't exist. So I think people need to realize like it, it's not being covered. You know, uh, it, it's just, things just aren't. And I'll tell you, there are some, some things that are so poorly covered. Immigration, forget about it. Um, and, and, and multilingual coverage. I could go yeah. into a million different areas that are just and props to El Planeta and El Mundo they do what they can do but there's other we, we're speaking how many more languages than just Spanish and English around here exactly. right and there are other publications but just I think the assumption that things are being covered is just wrong and I even have it sometimes too sometimes I'll go looking for something this huge there's just this huge police settlement uh, out in central mass and it involved the Worcester Telegram and Gazette so I wanted to look beyond their coverage 
<laughs> good luck. Good luck finding somebody else who covers. This is probably one of the biggest lawsuits ever in the history uh, over public records and the police. So we stepped in and did cover it. Like I said, we, we try to, you know, but, you know, that's that. So I think that's a big misconception. Somebody will cover it. Nope. Nope. Not at all. I think it's also really important to note that, you know, with these algorithms now, especially everyone's feeds are curated so differently, like, and, and being in the house most of the time have, and being able to be at home. Like if I didn't know dig Boston, if I hadn't worked on Boylston and walked past the box to pick it up, to pick up the Boston Phoenix, to get the Metro back when they were pushing those out physically, if they still do, I don't know. I used to do the Sudoku no, on the train, like, you know, like, like, how am I getting this information now? <laughs> like, where, like, where am I finding it? And who's talking about it to elevate it? Especially when, to your point around multilingual communications, like some of these things don't translate apples to apples into other languages. And having access to that information, like the training also to report on it effectively. I don't know if jur journalism schools are also doing that with the standard of, of the rate of information that's coming out so quickly. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, I just, I, there, there are a lot, I don't want to throw a big, I don't want to really throw rocks at some of the large Instagram accounts and stuff like that. But I think people also need to really realize a lot of it. They're not, the Boston calendar is not a news, uh, a, 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 a news publication. And, uh, and I, I, I love the Boston calendar. I go there to look for things, but a lot of these and, and, you know, Boston culture, whatever these things call themselves, they're not news outlets. And, they might argue they're not political, but I'll tell you what, a lot of people did get political over things like the mask mandates. And, and, you know, if you're talking about our new mayor, you're getting political. That's yep. a politician. And uh, everybody has that right. But I think it's a, as far as, you know, Reggie is someone who worked in media literacy for what your most of your career. Yep. A lot of it, uh, you must, re you know, it's just, it's just absolutely maddening. And listen, I'm not throwing it. I'm just, a lot of that's on us too. Truth is we actually have a great, a meeting with some, uh, a new social media manager today just because we need to do a better job of not just linking to stories but to basically doing something i hate which is telling that story in a picture you know putting you know pull quotes and stuff like that to the best of our ability so yeah. I, listen I, I'm, I'm i may be getting a little older but I'm, i never throw in the towel yes what keeps me motivated and it's like you know every time if i want to step away for one second i'll just see someone doing something i don't approve of and we got to get in there right look we're 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 invite we're calling folks in that call calling them out. So if we have to have a conversation to set the record yeah. straight, we're happy to. But. You, you know what, I, when you were talking about that whole idea of changing the methodology with, with the social media for, you know, for me, and a, a lot of the work that we do at King Boston is really about cultural representation with those alternative, you know, counter storytelling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what you do is right in that same vein. And, you know, as I get deeper and deeper into this role, I've realized more and more that how much misinformation is out there, how much how much that misinformation is calculated in some cases, but how much misinformation is out there and how we, you know, because I think I'm, I'm similar to you in that, you know, I just want to do the, the meat of the story. Like I really want to, you know, whether it's talking to an artist, whether it's getting into the, the news and who did what and where, the, the rest of that execution, I think, you know, as older journalists, um, we kind of fall short of that. But yeah. really, some, that's actually where we need to pour a lot of energy into it. Is, is that one of the things that, that you're kind of leaning into? And is that something in, kind of at, in your role at Binge, let's talk about that, in your role at Binge that you're trying to elevate with, with journalists as well? Yeah, and I think, you know, so with one thing, uh, on the dig side, absolutely, especially this, you know, shorter stuff we want to communicate. With Binge, we'll get there. Uh, our big focus with the thing about binge is um, it's really for the heavy lifting. So yes, on the finishing touches, we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to work on it. And we, we um, there are a lot of lessons to be learned. So I'm not trying to write it off, but somebody does have to do that. And I, 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 I'm already turning our, our reporters into grant seekers and I, I don't want to have to turn them into uh, 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 designers and marketing people just yet. Although they, every, we do that to a certain degree. Uh, in fact, yep. you know, our, our interns on the dig side, you know, we don't make them, but if they want to, they can be involved in things like email because we're doing, you know, we do all these emails. It's where a lot of our revenue comes from, uh, you know, like our weekly emails and daily emails. Uh, so I think, you know, young reporters do need to 
get a lot of these uh, uh and not even if not if not can use them with us that's how they'll get their jobs moving forward now for um so and i, and I want to also double down on that kind of like you know teaching them how to seek grants that's just one thing that i never learned as a reporter and we right now have like two or three active you know reporters who we pay them but also you know they're they're uh, you know, paid by a, a you know some kind of grant that they help bring in. Nice, uh, but that execution, Greg, it's it's critical. And so you know, we've definitely with one thing with binges, we have done more video, which helps. So you know, and and we did a we did a lot of videos. Oh, and one, I guess we I guess the answer is we are doing more because one thing we're doing with binge, you know, with the nonprofit journalism, I've always kind of not hated it, but it's always been felt a bit garish to me to brag about everything you're doing hey look we did this hey look it had that impact hey yeah and at the same time you have to so one one compromise i've had is i've never really understood why people want to know the open newsroom hey what are you working on how's it going but they do and as a result we we've just been well not as a result but just to to, to kind of uh, uh to satisfy that we we have been interviewing reporters as they do their work uh, having kind of meetings and putting those up and those really do get you know uh, hundreds if not in the thousands of views so i guess people are interested even sometimes people go back you know they see the article out they want to know about the, a little bit more about the process i guess so uh that's one thing we have been doing and um and that's just kind of it's never it's never me like oh fine i'll do it it's just we all know how much time this work already takes right. and i think you know uh, podcasts are another one. We've done podcasts and we participate in podcasts. We don't have any right now, but we obviously have to. Um, and one thing I always say is, you know, a podcast like this is a little less hands-on, but as far as like investigative podcasts, I always tell people, you know, people are always like, why don't you, you know, that, that was a great investigation you did. Why isn't there a podcast? I go, next time you listen to your favorite national, like true crime podcast, listen to how many names they say at the end in the credits. Yes. It's 10 or 15 people. That's full time. Yeah. And I don't think so. There's another misconception. I think people have no idea what kind of resources we're dealing with here because those are really unrealistic expectations. I, uh, people just don't. I think one of the, and you know, this is one of the reasons why I have to throw a little full disclosure in here. I am a board member of the Boston Institute of Nonprofit Journalism. I'm proud to be a part of that organization. What I think that people just don't realize the amount of man hours necessary to properly execute journalism when when they see it they they look at like you know dj academics and they think that's journalism it's no that's him he is a master audience that's him in his room talking to people that's right. you that's that is him with a megaphone a microphone a megaphone going out to the world with no fact checking or, or 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 anything. It's just you saying stuff. That's completely different from what what we're talking about. It, and when I hear people say they hate the media, I don't really. I a lot of times I think they don't really necessarily even know what it is that they're saying that they hate because we yeah. more than ever, more than ever, we need professional, committed people who are coming to the table to give us the right information. I know that. With, like I said about the King Boston work, you know, even the concept of, you know, of the work that we're doing, you know, if you if it's not presented correctly, people will spin that around and make it into something that is absolutely not. And you know, like even with Dr. King, everybody now everybody loves him. When he died, he was one of the most hated men in America. They used to do such. You know, what I mean, they did surveys at the time saying he was the most hated man in America. He they were saying that you know, that we should all, that at the time that they could agree with the idea, but we should move slower. Like, it's, it's just there. So when we look at today, I, I, I just, you know, just, it, you know, the world of journalism is something that's super important to me because I know that it's the key for people to connect to one another and have the proper information so they can make the right, the right decisions. A lot, a lot of that stuff is not fun. Like those, there are paragraphs in my long form pieces where it's like, it's not the paragraph anyone will focus on. It's just like a dense fact filled paragraph. And people may not realize it. that was like, I had to file a FOIA request for that. That paragraph cost $500 because I had to wow. pay, for, pay for information. I had to extract that information. I had to get like a comment from somebody. I had to double check this. I mean, there, and I, you know, I always try to recognize that with my writers when they submit things. I'll be like, you know, Laura, I know that that 
I know that that paragraph <laughs> took, you know, hours, hours for a paragraph. And that's, yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, it, you know, I, I try not, as far as people hating journalists, whatever, man, we, we all do it. We all have our unreasonable. I certainly, you know, um, get aggravated with uh, people who work at banks, but man, I had somebody help me so, so nicely today. <laughs> now I love people who work at banks. Right. So it's like, I, uh i think it and and, and i i you just got to recognize the work that people are putting in i guess sometimes you know and oh and as for uh, uh dr k i did want to say my last long form story was about uh anton wilson who is a, a, a black state trooper in in massachusetts and i am doing a video thing on him but you know he was a a, fr- a fraternity member at the same fraternity as, as dr king when, when okay. he was in boston um uh but yeah i think uh it's just about it's uh, I, I don't even know. Sometimes we, we put the stories out there and it is I'm in the process now because I just put out a big one uh, of of having people, you know, talk to me and it good reporting just leads to more more reporting in my experience. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting people from, you know, there was there was a, a passage about the Lennox projects in my last piece, but it wasn't my piece wasn't about the Lennox projects, Right. Yeah. So there are people from Lennox who are like, you know, come out here. And, you know, I, I had obviously gone and verified things. and But now it's like, OK, they want to tell their story, too. I'll also mm-hmm. be moving on to uh, Bunker Hill houses. Um, so reporting just leads to more reporting. That's another thing that keeps me motivated. Back to that question I was asked. Yeah. A lot, listen, a lot of good people came out of, uh, out of Lennox. That's where where pro-black is from, avenues from down that way. So you've got you got more than a couple of friends that are. That you, that can they can go with you when you go pull pull up there. Absolutely. In, in addition, in in addition to doing your work, so let's talk about about binge for a quick second. Let's t- take a step into binge. You know, so the Boston Institute of Nonprofit Journalism. Tell us about the journey to uh, to creating that organization and, and what was the what was the need that you were looking to fill when when you came across that. Cool. Well, okay. So you know, I was uh, especially as a, just a regular old reporter at the. Uh, at the Boston Phoenix for years and some other mm-hmm. places, you know, you're a reporter. You just have my head down doing the journalism. I didn't know much about the journalism world. And the short of it is when I found out that there were, I'd heard of things like the New England Center for Investigative Reporting and all these fancy university-based stuff. And I don't want to act like I'm some outsider. I do have a master's from BU. Um, so, you know, but at the same time, I didn't know what all those things were. You know, you heard about them. Turns out, and listen, they, most of them have done great work. And there were other ones back then. But we found out that there was just literally hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of dollars going to these university-based outfits. Mm-hmm. Now, then the, the problem, as we saw it was, and when I say we, really, uh, my partners, John Loftus, Jason Premis, and, and just others in my, in my world, those outlet outfits, these u- often university-based operations, they were taking that money, not working with freelancers, right? So what does that mean? It means we don't really have writers in the community. Mm. Okay. Often those freelancers come from, you know, wherever, and they went to Columbia and then they end up in Boston for a couple of years, not always, but often. So that's who was writing the stories. And then they were placing the stories in in places like WGBH and the Boston Globe that in my opinion, can afford to do their own journalism. So we, we saw a need for the opposite. Places like the Dig and the Banner needed the re- reporting, and also all we there's just tons of journalists, especially after the Phoenix folded, that wanted places to write, places to edit, places to take pictures for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie was around with the organization Press Pass TV, that um, that that fiscally sponsored us at, at first, which is now called Transformative Culture Project, and I think it's you know the most important part of that aspect is that there's no pipeline. You know, it's kind of like uh, I'm not I'm not a sports fan, but I always do like the uh, analogy of how, you know, the the NFL has college football, but it doesn't have a farm league. So, you know, they're apparently as there are less and less college teams are going to run out of quarterbacks and stuff such. Right. Mm -hmm. Same here. We're going to run out of editors. I don't know. You know, as far as the, the big outlets are concerned, they don't care. They have the money. They can just keep poaching from wherever, you know, get someone from Philly, get someone from San Francisco. But that doesn't make a healthy journal, local journalism ecosystem. That mm-hmm. doesn't make for freelancers who are always eager to 
report and do stories. You know, our whole thing was, listen, I wish we could, you know, hire everyone at $65,000 a year and up. It's just not going to happen. It's unrealistic. So what can we do? Well, we can get people who say working, you know, you're, you're a server in a restaurant uh, and you want to do journalism, but you need a couple hundred, maybe if it's a big thing, a thousand, two thousand bucks to make it worth your while. You know, we all have rent to pay. So, you know, in any given year, last year, we worked with more than a hundred people. You know, we cut more than two, we cut $200,000 checks to more than $200,000 in checks to more than a hundred people. Um, you know, and that's, so that, 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 that's kind of like, that was the, the goal we need. That was the, the void we need to fill. Now on the editorial side, I'll just wrap it with this. It's like, we wanted to do the at first and Reggie, I'm sure you remember. And Greg, I know you do because you wrote a couple of pieces, whether it was arts or um, uh, hard news. We we wanted to do the deep stuff, you know, the stuff that you could mm-hmm. sit back and really the long mm-hmm. form it all that deep stuff, not always, but often ended up as long form journalism, 2000 words and up, whatever. Yep. But we after a couple of years, it was just basically clear that that wasn't the only void and that that was very kind of self-serving. That's what we like to do. So that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a business. It's a nonprofit, right? Uh, which operates like a business, but it's still, we needed to fill actual voids. So that thing I was saying about like school committee, for example, before it's true, barely covered. So we needed to start doing, and, and then when the, when the pandemic hit, frankly, <laughs> that really showed us, then we were out covering everything just like, and, and syndicating that stuff and because um, things so you know unfortunately i guess the, the word alternative news just doesn't mean much anymore because just you got to get it you just got to report you got to report you got to report um you know and uh i i don't i don't go overboard with the alternative news thing anymore anyway i think people are surprised if they hear people are always like wow there's an f word in there an s word in there every now and then i think I don't go overboard with that stuff because I don't want that to be what alternative news is. It's not just like the globe with the F word. (laughs) It's the nature of what we're covering, which is probably often stuff that just isn't being covered in the globe. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I can't stand conspiracy theorists. I don't see the need for it. There's enough absolute cockamamie, insane. Like I get, we get people all the time. Like what that happened? You know, we just, even on little things, like we just reported how, Governor Baker is using some of the housing money uh, from the feds to investigate like uh, like a ridiculous amount, like $800,000 to investigate fraudulent applications. But they won't tell us if that's like people applying or if it's if it's the fraud on behalf. I think we took them back. They were taken aback. We go, oh, so you obviously mean the fraud by the landlords. And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I think people are, people get so outraged and, uh, but you know, there's just a million things that happen every day. I think people are just, we, you know, when we report that there are hundreds of software contracts in Massachusetts that we can't even figure out who's using this software, people are like, well, how could that, how could that be possible? Um, people are very quick to just, you know, if they're having beers with their friends, like, oh, all those bums and state all those bums in government wasting our money. People are quick to agree with that, but the nuance is very different. The nuance is that people in government, most of them work very hard for not as much money as their talents could probably get them in the private sector. That's me saying that. And I fight for them all day. Right. And, and the other reality is that yes, they do screw. They do throw our flush our money down the toilet every day. Two things can be true. They can be work hard and misman. They can work hard and mismanage tax dollars at the same time. So I think that it's just it's just not as easy to like slam your beer down with 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 that nuance, right? Yeah, I think it's also really important, Chris, to note that from what I've heard uh, in your in your comments, you know, one the importance for a local journalism ecosystem is important, and how information is shared not only from communities to legislators and to their staffers and from the state house but also like from the state house, from legislators and from staffers to the community, because I feel like there's so much that gets lost in the minutia of day-to-day appropriation of funds or new programs. There's, there's always more need, but how do we address having like a real fluid exchange so that 
the priorities in these small towns and in our gateway cities are also as elevated, back to your point way earlier in the conversation around Beacon Hill and Boston being in its backyard to the burning issues that are happening in the capital of the state. And I, I feel I, like, I, yeah, I don't go even, ahead. I feel so badly for people in certain places. I just don't even know how they, I just don't know. You mentioned gateway, gateway cities and you got places that do have some good reporting happening, but it's, I, and that's what we have something called the Somerville news garden where we're basically, we, we, we term it like that. We're teaching the people of Somerville to cover things themselves because it's just, it has to be like that. Yeah. There, you know, e, you know, even the, the, the TNG, a very great paper, is owned by Gannett. It's owned by a giant company that does not have a good track record. So that's Worcester's, you know, stopgap. Is that is an out-of-state company? Uh, you know, we, mm. we've lost the Alt Weekly there, which has kind of folded it. You know, that Worcester magazine, which is kind of folded into the TNG. They barely exist. Same thing happened in Northampton. And uh, but you know. So, you know, people really need to support the the startups and stuff that are, you know, the, what is happening, you know, years ago, and you, you two remember when blogging first started 25 years ago and stuff, it was like, oh, oh, everything's going to be fine. Like, everything's going to be covered and all this stuff, and you know, and they thought they had media short, you know, funding shortages then they had no idea, you know, so uh and, and it didn't turn out like that. It didn't turn out. Instead, what we got stuck with a million, you know, uh, heterosexist sports blogs and stuff like just worthless, worthless stuff. We don't even have a lot of great um, arts and culture sites. We can count them, you know, from, uh, you know, from Volunteer Land and Killer Boombox to, uh, to Arts Fuse. We can count them on like barely two hands. We barely need two hands. And that's for a place like Massachusetts, that cult that's culturally rich in greater Boston. So, you know, I just feel people really should recognize and you always get these people who are like, I, I get these emails and stuff where it's like, Hey, I want to start a thing in my backyard. And it's, you know, it, in central mass or in Western mass. And it's like, did you even bother looking up that there's some, you know, there's already a startup right next door. Yeah. And a lot of people want to start their own thing and stuff like that. And kind of, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually for, for the curmudgeon that I am, I'm actually often more hopeful than not, you know, I, 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 I really mean it. Um, although there does have to, unfortunate reality is that there have to be outlets. We were talking, we, we, you know, 20 minutes ago, we spoke about how the dig has been around for 25 years and people don't know what the hell it is. Uh, you know, there's still, you know, millions of people who don't know what it, we are, but at least when they start looking us up and stuff, they'll see that we have a footprint. So there, at least there's that vehicle, there's that outlet for serious reporting when people need to, you know, be held accountable or, or information needs to spread. That's not the case. You know, I, I see often uh, you'll see these startups and every people are all excited about them because it's like, you know, some retired famous journalist is involved or something. And that doesn't always work. You know, you got to mm -hmm. support the institutions that are out there, you know, or even the ones that have been doing it just for a couple of years. And Western Mass is an outlet called the Shoestring that is just doing fantastic work. And uh, on, on even a lot of, you know, just newsletters that are happening, but support the ones that are doing it. That's what I got. That's what I always have to say about it, whether it's Binge or, or somebody else. I hear that. And, you know, Chris, I'd love to get your thoughts on what you think or what are your what are your hopes for the future of journalism now now given you know you just talked about being a little hopeful what are you what are you hoping for um i i, I hope that uh as so you know when we started binge the idea was like uh we didn't know where the funding was going to come from we knew it had to be a mix of like foundations everything like that and and but at the time there were like five foundations nationally that support journalism you know, and I, and I, I actually, even though I'm a journalist, I get it. I get it because we are writing about people who are starving. We are writing about people who are, or having uh, uh, housing situations. We are not them, hopefully. Although I got to say a lot of people who I have, I do have a third bedroom and it's often before COVID was occupied with a, 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 one of our reporters who did not have a place to live. So I don't want to, I do not want to say that that is not as, that's a, that's a reality for a lot of journalists. But what I mean is that we are often not writing about ourselves, right? We're covering the problem. 
All right. Opioids. That's another thing we cover a lot, obviously. So we're not the direct, you know, so it's like, why should they? But but with that said, over the past six, seven years, that's loosened up. We're seeing more funding. And I don't just mean from the foundation side. People are understanding more and more. It was kind of a really stuffy intellectual understanding. It was an NPR understanding. Okay. Like, oh, yes, of course, I support public journals. I support NPR and PBS. That crowd has already, but also still needs to understand more that they need to support other things also. Brain, you know, uh, uh, things like brain arts, Boston Hassle, arts journalism, stuff like that. And I don't just mean nonprofit. I mean for profit. If it's, you know, if it's Killer Boombox, buy your sweatshirt. If it's, if it's an arts thing, right? Across the board. Because guess what? People do that for everybody else. Oh, it's my bike shop. I'm not just going to buy a bike for $500. I'm going to buy the hoodie for 60 because they need that extra money. That's how people, particularly with disposable income, think. I see it. I hear it all the time. I, I very, um, I, I'm a man of, I don't, I, I want for nothing, but I have very little. And that's fine. Uh, but I have a lot of, I went to, uh, I went to college. I have friends who have a lot of money. I see how they, they support everybody, everybody that they care about. They want to see those institutions stay. They give big tips at their favorite restaurants, yeah. all that stuff. We need to, con so that needs to be, so people who give to NPR, PBS, they need to understand. They also need to support the Bay State Banner. Yeah. And if it's not a nonprofit, buy the, even if it's a Dorchester reporter, buy that paper for a buck, buy it. Um, so as far as the future, um, on the reporter side, one thing that I can always say is I, there's, there's still reporters coming out of journalism school, tons of them. And there's, you know, journalism's broken, but it's not, we're still around. So there's still a lot of people, uh, well, you know, newsletters are very important and there's no, but I have no, but they just are. So that's how people are going to get their news. It's, it's not ideal, I don't think, because it's like if you're not subscribed to that newsletter, it's not the kind of thing where you're really necessarily going to stumble onto it. Um, but it is very real. Um, but I will say, you know, Binge has helped start um, more than 10 comparable bootstrap nonprofits around the country uh, that uh, we call them ecosystem builders because they don't just work with themselves. They work with other outlets. Um you know, so that, 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 I hope that is the trend. Unfortunately, some of the trends I see also stink. You know, I, I see, you know, big newspapers going nonprofit and then destroying the nonprofit ecosystems and then not changing, you know, basically being the same thing that they were. We saw this in the Philadelphia region with something called the Lenfest Foundation. Um, you know, no, nonprofit, it doesn't, it's not always the case like nonprofits, good for profits, bad. Uh, so, you know, there's, but now I'm giving you just a million workers. I just think the future really is, uh, it's kind of like the stuff we're doing. You got to be malleable, you know, but you have to be visible. So I think the, it, you know, I, I, it's not so much as what I think is going to happen is, but when, when, when I talk to people about media, I just like to really emphasize that, yeah, we don't want to support the really horrible, toxic organizations that have never cared about their communities, but if there's anything worth saving or, you know, helping um, and, and preserving, you got to be a part of it. You got to be a part of it. The littlest amount goes so far, couple bucks a month. I sound like Sally Struthers, but I mean it. Look, I, so what I'm taking from that is to invest local, invest early and invest often. I'm excited to purchase my binge swag <laughs> to get my KBX artist can't eat exposure hoodie when they're re-upped and in stock on the site. I'm here for it. Word. Yeah. Listen, this has been incredible. We could talk to you. Like, I, I feel like we definitely have to bring you back and get into the weeds of certain issues that are coming up. I think we talked about journalism and, and that was great, but I really want to get into some of the local issues and, and some of the things that you see on the horizon. So we're, we're definitely going to bring you back to, to have you on board and cool. be a part of our discussions in the future, man. Thank you so I'm much. I'm always, for man. Everything, us. everything right now, you know, BA, Boston Housing Authority, for example, not thrilled about some reporting I've done, but you know what? I'm building, I, I, the last thing I was doing it, these are people who work with, you know, I know that not everything goes right. They're certainly not in that bit, you know, working in that industry to, uh, to be bad people. I, I'm not trying to demonize people. So I'm already building with them. I'm going to be meeting with them. I'm always mm -hmm. about having the communication and, 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 you know, speaking, 
more talk is always better. So this has been fantastic. Anytime you want to have me on with anybody, you can even surprise me so long as it's you know, someone's oh, not yeah. really gonna get I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm ready to surprise you <laughs> what would happen. So I'll keep I'm gonna keep it nice and easy for all of our well-being. All right, all right, good. But I don't know if my heart can take that. Uh, but I, I absolutely appreciate you being here, man. And I, I know the Same. work that you're doing over there at Binge and over at, at the dig is essential to getting good information into the ecosystem. And we, we appreciate you and we appreciate the good trouble that you're causing over there on your side of, side of the world. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks to everybody. I appreciate it. And this everything you're doing at King is great. And Reggie, like I said, keep me posted, all right? Will do, Chris. Thank you. All right, see you guys. Reggie, you can, you can take us out. Folks, that's all the time that we have. And as you've heard, we're all committing to our good trouble. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>